you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hey, this is Dan Hansis alongside Chris Wessling. Hey, Dan. Mark Sessler and the boss, Greg Rosenthal. We're the Around the NFL podcast. Check us out three times a week as we discuss the latest NFL news as it happens. Always, of course, with a touch of mirth. Subscribe at NFL.com slash podcasts, iTunes, and Stitcher. Hi, and hello, football fans. Much to get to with Chris Wessling and Bucky Brooks. Bucky, first question. Ryan Fitzpatrick, where's he going to be playing this September? I think he goes to the New York Jets. I don't think he goes anywhere. Chris Wessling. Jets. I don't think anyone else will have him. Best rookie football name, Chris Wessling. Casanova McKenzie, undrafted free agent for the Bucks. Ooh, la, la. I love it. That's a nice name, but I'm going to stay with a star. How about Zeke Elliott? I just like Zeke. Zeke Elliott. I just oh. like Zeke. Not too bad, but, of course, Zeke the correct three. answer there. Leontay Carew. I love it. The best Mexican dish. It is Cinco de Mayo as we record uh, Bucky Brooks. What's your favorite Mexican Does dish? Does fish tacos count? Of course. That's a Mexican dish. I mean, I thought there was kind of seven I love a stuffed poblano pepper. Ooh, I don't go that way. I like the al pastor, the, oh, yeah. uh, the, 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 uh, the pork. I like the swine. <laughs> Make it a burrito, if you please. Favorite hockey team. The NHL playoffs are going on, Chris Wessling, after all. Uh, the Cincinnati Stingers, minor league team from my youth. <laughs> I thought you might go a uh, little random there. Buck. Buffalo Sabres. Really? You like the Sabes? I guess you uh, did spend the early part of your adult life up there in Buffalo. Good for you. <laughs> Correct answer, Pittsburgh Penguins. And the Cavs' chances. Are you giving them a chance now, Bucky Brooks, or is it still Golden State? Oh, it's always been the Cavs. Always been the Cavs. I'm oh, with man. you on that one, Wes. San Antonio. San Antonio Every year. All right, start the show. There's your hurry up and welcome to the Dave Damashek football program available on iTunes, Stitcher, NFL.com slash podcasts and beyond. And as always, we are presented by 
McDonald's, go get you some of that all-day breakfast anytime it strikes your fancy. When your belly decides it's time for food, put some uh, put a put an egg McMuffin on top of it. <laughs> hey, before anything else, about a year ago, maybe a little bit more than that, we were joined in Studio 66 for the retirement announcement of a guy who has become a great friend to everybody here at NFL Media, and I think quite popular with you, the viewer slash listener, Ike Taylor, number two four is celebrating his birthday. Happy birthday to you, Swagga, Sway, 2-4, my guy, so on and so forth. The incomparable, Ike Taylor. I said about a year ago to the bosses, Ike Taylor stands a chance of being pro football's Charles Barkley. Here's his theme song. Ike Taylor. He even has a theme song now. How about that? Hey, all right, fellas, let's jump into it here. What are we going to do here, uh, Sully behind the glass there and Black Tie behind the glass? I know Black Tie's upset because he doesn't get to weigh in on the NBA question then. He's for, for, <laughs> here because he's for some time now insisted that, oh, no, Kyrie <coughs> Irving isn't good enough to to help the Cavs get the title. They're going to get to the finals, Black Tie, and who knows what They get to happen. the finals every year. There's nobody else in the East. I got to go with Wes, though. I'm born and raised in San Antonio. It's got to be the Spurs. You're go Spurs, a, go. Sully, you're a weird one behind the glass. I know I am. <laughs> you're born and raised in San Antonio. You matriculated the University of Tennessee. Right. And yet you're a Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> you can be inexplicable, and I don't want I even, you to try and even, rationalize can't even, can't it. Can't rationalize it. Bandwagon. Yep. Go Seahawks. All right, let's get to it here. What are we going to start with here? You know what? We start. We brought back an old game a couple of weeks ago, and uh, let's get to it here. It's one of our favorites. Dead or Alive. If your team is playing damn, the shake is saying if you're dead or alive, dead or alive. <laughs> I'm going to make a statement. You guys let me know. Dead or alive. I'm going to start with you, Chris Wessling. And by the way, welcome back to the show, this duo. A dynamic duo to some, but diabolical in my book. Because <laughs> the last time they sat in here. You're talking crazy. No, I was not. Are you, you guys ganged up on me like bullies. You're like bullies. Quarterbacks and Terry Bradshaw's. Number one forever. We apologize for bringing a modicum of common sense to (laughs) And by my words, and I I stand strong in the face of your combined nonsense. And here we go. Dead or alive, the Broncos' chances of repeating in 2015 – in 2016, who right? Who typed 2016? Say, I'm a dummy. I'm like uh, what's his name in uh, Anchorman, Will Ferrell in Anchorman, (laughs) Ron Burgundy. I just read whatever's put in front of me. 2016, Chris Wessling, dead or alive? They're alive. That division should be much tougher this year. The Raiders are better. The Chiefs should probably be just as good. The Chargers are better. But the Broncos, to me, are still the class of that division. They had quarterback problems last year and overcame them. True enough. Buck. Alive. Alive and well, I will say. Defense will be better than it was last year because they have another system in Wade Phillips' uh, scheme, another year in Wade Phillips' scheme. And then Devontae Booker. Maybe the offensive rookie of the year. Wow. That's a strong statement, but that's a guy we've been talking about now for eight, ten months now. Arian Foster, he's an Arian Foster clone. You think about what Arian Foster was able to do in Houston under Gary Kubiak. It's just a natural fit. I love the vision, the footwork. I think it is a great marriage between a player and a system. So was it a mistake to sign C.J. Anderson to a big contract? 
Uh, I don't think it was a mistake because you didn't know how the draft would play out. But I think mm. right now he's the most talented runner on their roster. I think C.J. Anderson would get the crack. But when he gets on the field, Devontae Booker is going to do special things in that. Uh-oh, the doctor on call has to weigh in here on the Broncos' chances of repeating. But he might have to look at you. It sounds like you got a little uh, cold there or something. Buddy. I do have a little cold. I want you to know I got fresh up out the bed to come over here. What a hero. And wow. as a result, Wes and I will have your cold. Thanks yeah. a lot. That's, 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 that's what happens. <laughs> Doctor, Broncos. <laughs> Round of applause. Broncos' chances of repeating in 2016. How say you, Doc? All right, they're alive. But let me say this. <laughs> I have said repeatedly, obviously, uh, like everybody else, Peyton Manning was the worst starting quarterback in the NFL for anybody who was under center for any stretch of time, at least. Mm -hmm. And they still won the Super Bowl. And so the knock on Mark Sanchez is that he tends to turn the ball over uh, more than he should. Here's the problem with the defense thing, Buck, is that they stole four or five games. I mean, they outright – it wasn't that they just – were a stout defense a la, in recent memory, the Seattle Seahawks who would just stonewall the competition. The Broncos' defense in 2015 outright won games with defensive touchdowns four or five times, including in the Super Bowl, you might make a case. You can't count on that. I mean, that's obviously going to return to the mean. There is no example of a team that just keeps putting up points year after year defensively. Chicago Bears did it under Levy Smith. They were consistently a team that – Year after year? They did. They also stayed really healthy last year outside of DeMarcus Ware's back injury. Uh, Can they do that again? Yeah, uh, another issue. And like you say, Wes may say that they're the class of the division, but winning the division, which is certainly not a guarantee. People love the Raiders. Maybe it's a little premature on uh, on their ascent, but they they do look like they've added some nice pieces there. Andy Reid's always going to have that team in the mix. Um the Chargers, I mean, boy, I think they're really going to regret. I, Joey Bosa, whatever, I think they're really going to regret not taking Laramie Tunsil. I think of all the teams out there, there, there are three teams. I think the Giants are going to regret not having grabbed them when they had a chance. I know the Giants and their institute, you know, they, these old guard NFL teams don't bring in trouble. They don't, they don't, they might. <clears throat> See, here's, here's, here's the thing that we talk about with trouble. It's not necessarily the trouble of what he was depicted doing. It's the timing of it all. Right. Because – a couple of those guys that went to the top ten had similar issues that Larry Tunsil experienced during that time. It's the visual image ten minutes before the draft. I agree with that. You don't have enough time to vet it out and see if there's something else that could be coming down the hopper. If there was a report, right, ten minutes before the draft, hey, whoa, 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 Larry Tunsil apparently burned tree about uh, four years ago, people would shrug their shoulders. Like you say, and we've seen this before, it's a 21st century phenomenon. When guys are caught on video doing it, it's Change. a whole Because then you have to get the owner involved. Yeah. You need him to sign off at that point. You need more time. And 10 minutes, like you say, is, well, is this the the start of something now? Or are we now going to find out uh, 20 other things about this kid? But I still think, in hindsight, people are going to regret not grabbing tons. Oh, I think so. Um, All right, next up, DeMarco Murray's days as a 1,000-yard rusher. Of course, they go get Derrick Henry, the Heisman Trophy winner, due to the Tennessee Titans. DeMarco Murray, everybody saw it coming in 2015 after all those yards and all those carries in Dallas in 2014. Are his days as a 1,000-yard rusher dead or alive, Bucky Brown? Done. Dead. I agree. I did a study on running back, (laughs) and age 23 to 27 is the prime. Starting age 28, you see a drop-off of 50%. 29, 25 percent, 
and 30, 40%. That's the drop-off you typically see. He's 28, and he looked pretty bad last year. Yeah. And Maybe his legs get a little, you know, he didn't have a big workload. Maybe they get a little fresher this year. But And there are, there are exceptions to prove the rule. Of course, you can look at Frank Gore and Fred Jackson to a lesser degree. But, I mean, look at the all-time great running backs who are getting a ton of carries. I mean, you know what? At, there is a significant drop-off at right around the age Wes is talking about. it. You get five, six, seven years in. Look up Earl Campbell. Look up O.J. Simpson, guys who got a big workload at, at roughly the mid-20s. They they take a precipitous drop as they get as they near 30. The pounding that he endured that season, that he had a great season in Dallas, he's always been kind of injury-prone. Uh, he's never been a guy that's had tremendous physical traits in terms of size, burst, explosiveness. He's just kind of an every-down grinder. Well, now you bring in a young back, a fresh back, a guy in Derrick Henry who he really gets better when he gets over 20, 25 carries. So I'm the Tennessee Titans. DeMarco Murray starts off the season as the number one, but I fully believe by the middle hmm. of the season it switches and the young guy becomes kind of the bell cow. And right. Anytime you have a guy that can get hot like that, a Derrick Henry that can get hot, I think he's the one that they ride. Say they have postseason hopes, he's the fella that they ride. For the Interesting. All right, let's uh, hear from the doctor. What's the diagnosis here? <laughs> All right. He's more optimistic than at least you two. I'm kind of on the fence with this one because of Derrick Henry. You know, they they go and get him from Philadelphia. Of course, like you say, people it's funny that the the hindsight thing that fans and in fact media use, which is like why well so then why'd they go get uh DeMarco Murray, if they were going to draft Derrick Henry, because they didn't know how things were going to break. That's you always want to right. be protected. And look, DeMarco Murray very well could have been a guy that would get 11, 1,200 yards behind that offense line, behind the commitment to the run game right. that the Titans are going to display. But if Mike Malarkey is being true to his premise where he said he wanted to have an exotic smash mouth attack, that means that he wants to have anywhere between 35 and 40 carries a game. All of those won't go to DeMarco Murray. And once Derrick Henry gets touches – He's going to get more touches because I think he's a little different than some of the other backs in the league. Well, it's funny, first of all, with Derrick Henry, but real quick on Murray, isn't the notion that with Mariota back there with him and Mariota putting it in his belly and running down the line and attacking the the uh, edge of the defense, doesn't that mean that it's a downhill runner, runner that this should suit? If, if any offense is going to, a guy playing the way Mariota is going to should suit him. Uh, and behind that old line, as you, you say. You would like to think that, but how much zone read will they really run with Mariota? Because the big um, mandate from ownership has been to keep Mariota healthy. So how much are you going to expose him mm-hmm. to runs on the perimeter? It may be a deal where you do it four or five times a game. He does it on the perimeter. But remember, we saw in Philadelphia, DeMarco Murray is not at his best when he has to run laterally and has to do some of the things that is required of the zone read. Maybe Derrick Henry is the guy that's in that package doing some of those things because Hmm. that's what he did at Alabama. Even though we say he's a downhill runner, he operated primarily out of the shotgun and they ran some of those zone read things even though the quarterback didn't pull much. Isn't Henry, though, the the book on him was that because of the long legs and as we've seen few guys succeed at that size – at this position, it takes him a second to get up to speed. Is it? I, I, I'm not looking for big things out of him. I mean, he might be a specialist at the goal line, but I don't think he's a guy who's going for 1,400 anytime soon. Well, I mean, I don't know. He kind of reminds me of Eddie George. And so if you think about Eddie George being able to work the edges on those off-tackle runs, being able to I take like it. he's not as fluid, though, right? Uh, they're about the same because Eddie George wasn't like a, a necessarily a nimble, easy 
jump cutter like LaDainian Thompson. It's hard. Like, the dude is 6'3", 6'4", 240 pounds. How he runs is not going to look like a scat back like sure. Lamar Miller or some of those other guys. But it's about giving him enough carries where he can wear down the defense. I can attest that no one wants to have to deal with a 240-pound running back at the end of the year. We saw what Buss was able to do in November and December for the Steelers in yesteryear. Derrick Henry can give you some of that physicality and toughness. One thing we forget in May when we talk about these things and look at the depth chart, no matter what the coaches are saying, once the season starts – it's episodical in nature from week to week. The episode changes. The fans are going to start calling for Henry if he outplays Murray, and the coaches are going to see that. It's, it changes every week once the season starts. How will that go over, Sully, behind the glass for the people in Nashville, Tennessee, presumably Vols fans, to right. rooting on a, a, a Crimson Tide? They, uh, they've quickly switched. A lot of my buddies that have. are Vols fans have uh, welcomed him with open arms so far. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough, but he's, he's in the – He's in the powder blue and the dual shade blue, so he's he's not a he's not a bammer anymore. He's 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 a titan. Next up, Chris Wessling. Let's uh, you know we we uh, are a full service show here, not just pro football. We attack all games, including the game called life. Right now, pro basketball is the subject. Kevin Durant's days in OKC. Chris Wessling, dead or alive, after this season concludes. It's funny how one game can change things. The sky was falling after game one, and now. People think the Thunder have a chance to steal this series. I think they're alive. I think they were alive before anyway, but yes, they're alive. I can sign the one-year deal and extend it and line himself up with Russell Westbrook if he wants to, Bucky Brooks. I think they're alive. I don't think there's any chance that he was going to leave OKC after this year. Uh, it's lined up for him. He has a superstar that he's playing with and Russell Westbrook. Uh, they're a one-two punch, and wherever he goes, he has to face the same criticism. And actually, if he leaves – he faces more criticism because then the clock really starts on him winning the championship. I think he, he's been able to escape and fly under the radar. Uh, he doesn't get nearly the criticism that LeBron No, got. he doesn't. Isn't that you right? Know, and some of the other superstars get for not winning titles. In Oklahoma City, he's kind of safe and tucked away. Do you think he considers that? Do you think a 21st century athlete considers that if I go somewhere in a bigger market, boy, they might boo me if I don't start winning titles? No, I don't think that's it. I think he looks at the the pieces around him. And I would say it would be hard for us to find another player like a Russell Westbrook to pair with. I know people are holding on to this fantasy that he's coming to La La Land, but I don't think that's happening (laughs) unless multiple superstars decide to go to L.A. I think OKC is the best spot for him. All right, let's uh, check in with the doctor here how say you doc mm, doctor feeling good today he doesn't want to deliver any bad news no no bad news uh, yeah i guess he's not gonna go anywhere especially but like Wes says one game how about you know three more games if the spurs whip them good here if they really if they really take it to them it's going to feel like it's never going to happen here, so I may as well move on. I could see it changing a little bit depending on how this series concludes. But, you know, what? like I said before the season started or at least midway through the season, I really liked OKC coming into this because while the story is Westbrook and Durant, and in fact you have two of the top five NBA players, how bad can you be? It's almost baffling they I mean they really struggle in the final couple minutes of the games that's where they that's where they're had they don't have a high collective basketball IQ yeah and but the other thing is I love their front line rotation I know people say it doesn't matter against Golden State Steven Adams is looks like a medieval badass oh yeah yeah no he's he's a tough dude and if you're really looking at it how many more games can LaMarcus Aldridge play to the level that he's playing he's He's a fire he's a really good player can he hit 40 games Throughout the yeah, but the thing is, 
the Spurs lost the last game because Kawhi Leonard could take his guy off the dribble every time and didn't assert himself offensively, and he can. You know, they're they're like a two-man show, too. Like, as much as you want to say about San Antonio. That's true. What we're seeing is the rapid decline of Tony Parker, Manny mm-hmm. Ginobili, Tim Duncan is basically like me on the court. Um, they don't have many guys outside of Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge. Like, Kawhi is a legitimate top, you know, what, six or seven player in the three? league? I mean, maybe. Yeah, you could, you could certainly well, say that. Nice but player, when yeah. the Spurs are winning titles, and, it, you know, it was obviously pretty recent that they did – um, Tony Parker, as much respect as people have for him, man, he gets into that place of like a poor man's Russell Westbrook where he's unstoppable. When he wants to get to the rim, he gets to the rim. He's also the worst defensive point guard in the NBA right now. Yeah. So he's – I, I mean, th- this the, the enthusiasm about the Spurs going forward, I do not share. Black tie, Dr. Black tie, I know you want to weigh in on this important issue. Uh, I think the chances are alive here because I do think – I do think the Spurs and the Warriors are two of the – Best teams of the last twenty years. I think they're legit. Two of the best. <laughs> they are. I mean, last you have, twenty years. Easily, you have a team that won seventy three games By and record. the uh, best Spurs team on the on the pop. I don't see how we're the, the the you know the fear of being present of the moment stops us from noticing greatness as it's happening. I That's just noticed it. that they lost. TD, <laughs> very well said. I don't understand any criticism of Kevin Durant for losing to two of the best teams of the last twenty years. I, I know it is. It is a shame. I the one I always cite. When things like this happen, well, I can actually cite two from my personal fandom. One currently is the Pittsburgh Pirates in the National League Central. They've been at, you know, they've been the second best team in baseball. They just so happen to share the division with the best team in baseball. Previously, the St. Louis Cardinals, and now they're in there with the Chicago Cubs, who look like last, a juggernaut. Last twenty years, we're, we're at the back end of the Jordan era, right? Ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. So, I mean, I think. We have to be careful when we just throw that out there. Two of the best teams of the last 20 years. Well, the Bulls are another one. We haven't seen the Warriors repeat. We don't know if they're going to repeat. They have a frail shooting guard, point guard, and Steph Curry, who we don't know if he's going to be able to make it through. And then with the Spurs, I just need to see. Hey, you know what it is? I mean, there is – I don't throw know. Out there. The Spurs what, just win every year. Come on, Buck. <laughs> we work so fast in our brains that we fail to sort of celebrate the present. You exactly. know, we, it, There's something how fast we have to – it, it, it's sort of like the draft experience, you know. You, you in in January, February, you start to dig in on these guys, and you start to really look at them, and, and and then you fall in love. In fact, Charles Davis, who was in earlier in the week, was talking about this phenomenon. In February, you look at the best player, and you know he's the best player, Jared Goff or Carson Wentz, and you really look at them. And the closer it gets, you start to get bored. You have to. Well, we have to move. I have to talk about. I have to find problems with this, and then right. you complain. And it's so accelerated. It's our inability to really appreciate Cam Newton right now. You know that we're we're looking at a Hall of Fame player, a guy who the league has never seen, and yet we're looking to poke holes in what's wrong with him rather than say, you know, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Drew Brees could only dream of doing what number one's doing down there in Charlotte. But we're but we're more interested in in telling you what is flawed about the guy. Um, but uh, but anyway, so black tie. I th- that's black tie's fault with LeBron. We don't black tie doesn't want to give LeBron the credit. He doesn't appreciate. No, I, that, he doesn't. He doesn't want to. Do I, I actually got into a Twitter. He has to move on about like Le- that. LeBron Wait. is uh, it, what's wrong with See, LeBron? I'm game. not one side or the other. It's just like things change. I actually got into a Twitter argument once with Chris Weston because I said LeBron's already top three and he's already better than Larry Bird. And I mean, 
I think LeBron's great. I just think he's not on such a great team as the Warriors and Spurs. It's a team basketball game. Oh no, no, but, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say that. I didn't say LeBron's Cavs team is the best or one of the best in the last twenty years. I just think we have to be careful when we just say like, "Hey, the Warriors, you're the best." In the All world. right, in well, this case, because, that's not hyperbole. That no, no, the set the record for wins. The record, but also remember the NBA is different because if you go back and you take hand checking out when Jordan and those other guys are playing. How many points does Jordan average know, when you can't put your hand you know, in the back? I, I've talked to Matt Money All Smith <laughs> and his highly considered NBA uh, NBA opinions. I've asked him the same thing. Everybody cites the hand check rule. Yeah, but if you put it in, it would be league wide, and so they would have to accommodate for. It. They would have, you know, today's players would have to adjust to that. Are you saying that Golden State would be incapable of adjusting? Oh, completely different. The, the way Steph skips and skates through the lane. No way. You can't do that stuff. Derek Harper even, I'm, not even talking, I'm not even talking about the old bad boys, but I'm talking about the Ben Wallace, Chauncey Billups, mm-hmm. those guys. They would put him on his back. So I love Steph Curry and what he does to the table, but the fact that there's no physicality in the league, he couldn't do those same things. He wouldn't be able to skate and whatever. And I know Ty's going to be like, oh, but he shoots from deep. It's different when you're shooting from deep when everyone knows that that's the only thing you can do. When you're not He gonna... now can penetrate. They would put him on his back. All right, next up. Steph Curry, a little bit slight. He sat in Studio 66 with us about a month ago. Tyler Boyd, I was struck by his Kevin Durant-like physique. He has those <laughs> slight shoulders, but I love looking at him out on the field. Uh, you know, so fluid. I, you know, the, 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 Who's your guy? He's, a he's got the hips. He's got the loose hips, as you scouts like Oily. to say. He's not, he's not, he's not, uh, he's not a, he's, a blazer. He's a panther. He's a panther. I, like, that's like right. You were loving him. I do love him, but as I always say also. Or decorated than Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, accomplished. I don't know about that. He was statistically, he was. Yes. Well, he also. I mean, I know y'all like Larry Fitzgerald had Rod Rutherford oh, throwing to him. Just cited like stats for the Warriors being the best team the last twenty years. So when I tell you that Tyler Boyd is the all-time receiver, <laughs> I know. But Bucky, has, the numbers is. But the Bucky, same thing. come on, man. Here's it's the same thing. Here's something that has to change. Here's ask more now. I'm putting my foot down now. All people who talk about college football have to stop saying, "Well, he had more career yardage." You know why? Because he played ten more games, that's why they play. They they used to standardly, as you know, Buck, eleven game regular season, so play, and then a bowl play, game. You play twelve games. No, now I mean, they play thirteen games plus a conference they play, championship. They play, they play twelve games. Twelve games is the regular season minimum. Then, mm. if you go to a conference title game, you play right. thirteen and whatever. So he played, he played twelve games. Did they go to bowl games? I don't know if Pitt went to bowl. Did they go to any bowl games? I, I, I'm done talking about this. Yeah, you know, let me tell you something, Bucky. You and I both share the sad uh, truth of our both our schools, UNC and Pitt. I didn't go to Pitt, but that's uh, my, my college football team I root for. Both produce a lot of high-end NFL talent and yet struggle to go 6-6, six and six, it seems. We didn't, go six, we didn't go 6-6. Six and six. I know. I know. Last but year you know had what a very good year. I, I, think you I can only remember. I, I enjoy the most recent memory. Good for you. All right, let's uh, let's get to it here. Tyler Boyd, I wanted to show you a little something. Black Tide, do you want me to first show you? Uh, oh, 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 that's the question. I'm sorry. First, the sound bite. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. That guy's cracking okay. up. <laughs> Sheck's fandom of Tyler Boyd, he's now a Cincinnati Bengal. So, you see, that's kind of what we're talking about here, Buck. Sheck's fandom of Tyler Boyd, is it dead or alive, Chris Wessling? Will I be able to rise above the fact that he's wearing that ugly orange and black uniform and appreciate that he came from he, Pitt? He looks like a tiger. I've seen the jousting matches between you and Bengals fans on Twitter. He's he's dead. He's dead to me, too, because the Bengals are dead to me. That's right. Bucky. Wow, he's dead to you. I, I would say that hopefully you're able to rise above that because you met the young man. You're a, de- lo- a de- 
devoted Pittsburgh Panther fan. And I would say that you recognize that he's going to get great coaching in Cincinnati and that he's, you still will carry the flame for Tyler Boyd. What, they hired a new coach over there? No, they have, they have Marvin Lewis. They oh, can, oh. Five straight. Oh, yeah, he's terrific. Five straight. Out of the playoffs on opening weekend. Lucky he's 0-7 in the postseason. I don't know if you heard about that. How many games would Pittsburgh win with Hey, the Red Rifle's going to be throwing the ball to How many games would Pittsburgh win with Andy Dalton? I mean, I don't even know how to answer that question. Tyler Boyd answered a question. What do you think about if uh, a team like the Cincinnati Bengals were to draft you, Tyler Boyd? Do you care? Because this is fans like me think like well you're from Pittsburgh you want to be a stealer right right you won't will there be any moment of like ah the Bengals uh, <laughs> if that happens or will uh, you be like woo you know yeah I feel you um, if, I, if I was going to the Bengals I'll think uh, a lot of people wouldn't <laughs> well because of the helmet alone <laughs> yeah, the uniforms you know, that's, are no that's good. a rival for the Steelers you know so me coming yeah. in playing against my hometown you know trying to beat them you know some people would would still support me, but they still go with the Steelers, you know, because the hometown team. But it was they would still be supportive. See, at least he's a man of high fashion. He's got the tiger stripes. Uh, even uh, oh, no, he knew. I he he kind of did. Know. He had a sense that they were they were on they were on the radar. <laughs> I sounded that, deflated. I love that the poor kid comes in here and, <laughs> and now he's actually a Bengal, <laughs> and now I'm playing it back for him, and now the people of the Queen City will be like, wait a minute. All right, let's get to it. Dr. Sheck's fandom of Tyler Boyd, dead or alive. Really? I can't root for him. He plays for the Cincinnati Bengals. What do you want me to do? You can't pull for your team. But I, hope he has a, I hope he has a great and healthy career, but I don't hope it results in victories for his team. And what, you, what about if he has like 150 yards each game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but it's still his win? Okay. You okay with that? That will be fine with me. Hey, I was challenged morally, ethically, and otherwise. You know our, you know, repeat Shecky Award winner, A.J. Hawk, one of our favorites here, went to the Cincinnati Bengals, and it created a moral conundrum for me. And when faced with it, I told A.J. Hawk to his face in front of the January playoff game in Cincinnati. I said, Hawk, fan of yours, not a fan of that that terrible team you play for. My heart is 100% with the Pittsburgh Steelers or shame the devil. A.J. Hawk said, I respect it. He said, I respect your stance on this one. I, I'll thank you to do the same, Bucky. <coughs> All right, let's move on now. <laughs> Thus ends Dead or Alive. So oh, surprise it's game show a, time. Like game time for show. a surprise game show. All right. I'm, yeah. You know, when I first moved out here to Los Angeles, I worked on a sports trivia show on Fox Sports. It was called Sports Geniuses. And the best part of it was at the end uh, of every show, the championship round would be two guys face-to-face, and you had to name. It was basically, here's a list of something. Now tick off the items from it. I think I mean, you might have been in here. We did it once before in here, Buck. It was uh, quarterbacks who lost in the, in the first 20 Super Bowls, and we went back and forth. And uh, maybe you weren't here. I won that day. But uh, it's time to do it again. It's right. time for the surprise game show. Yes, Sully, what's so, up? You're our host today. Our question is, fellas, which patch catchers have had 100 yards or more in a Super Bowl, starting with you, Sheck? Pass catchers with over 100 yards in a Super Bowl. Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl 10, Lynn Swan. Yep. Bucky Brooks. And, by the way, we go 
until you until you run out. If you miss one, it moves on. That's I mean, it should be self-evident. But Larry Fitzgerald. That's got to be right, yeah. Jerry Rice. Oh yeah, that's. Uh, you did it twice, right? You yeah, he what? did it multiple times. You know what? <laughs> I'm gonna go with another Super Bowl MVP. This one from Super Bowl 43. His name, Santonio Holmes. <laughs> no, uh, he won the MVP. Of course, he got 100 yards. Am I up? Yeah, you're up. Don't delay I, I, now. I didn't, I didn't know I was up. Well, didn't you? Well, you didn't know. So that gets you an extra ten seconds at well, least. I, I, I didn't know. I was trying to figure it out. Stop so. your vamping! I'm, I'm, I'm debating between Jordy Nelson and Greg Jennings. And well, you Super should Bowl. say one of them. I'm trying to figure out. Greg, <laughs> they hit the buzzer on him already. Let's go with uh, let's go with Jordy Nelson. Uh, ha! Uh, go pack Wes. go. Michael Irvin. Ooh, I I was. What uh, Super Bowl was that? He's the highest playoff yards per game in history, I think. Hmm. Well, Steve Smith does. This guy has to – oh, you know what? Masin Muhammad. That one reminded me of something from Wes and I playing Win Wes's Toaster. I owe Wes a couple of sandwiches, but that's from the Around the NFL podcast, which you have to go dig up. Oh, we were in such a hurry, I forgot to introduce uh, Move the Sticks podcast. Dig that one up. And uh, Around the NFL, Wesling, Hanzoos, <coughs> Rosenthal, and Sessler doing gangbusters work. I'm sorry, I have to get that in, Black Tide. That was a little commercial. They do that on game shows sometimes. Yes, Bucky. Uh, let's go with Andre Reid. Ha! <laughs> I had four chances. I had four chances. Somewhere in there he had to go. Yeah. Wes. I'm going way back. Max McGee. Ooh, I don't know if he went he for 101. I don't know. He got two touchdowns. but Whoa. Oh, yeah. He survived. I was confident. 130-something. All right, I'm, I'm running through my head here. I'm running, I'm running. Oh, I mean, uh, yeah, a, a guy who could have been a Super Bowl MVP mm. in Super Bowl fourteen. He broke the hearts of the Rams fans, John Stallworth. Mm-mm. Yes, what do you mean, uh-uh. He got a 64-yard touchdown pass in that game. So don't worry about that one, Buck. It's on there. Mm. A lot of Steelers on this list, so uh, Sheck has a little advantage. I, I'm I sorry. When Super Bowls are the any, are the subject, their Steelers are going to come up, I'm afraid. I didn't say anything, but I'm thinking of the Washington Redskins. Okay. I'm just trying to figure out if I got the right guy. Mm, me too. I got the same conundrum going on. I'm thinking Ricky Sanders. Oh, yeah, that's definite. No, that, that's 100%. I don't know. I mean, it's 100%, Buck. He, he definitely a, went over he 100 He caught a bomb. He just caught a bomb. Yeah. No, he had a big game. Got ahead, Gary Clark. What's that uh, black – 193. Oh, not even close. 193 in that game against the Broncos off the right arm of Doug Williams. Uh, Wes, how say you? Oof. I'm going to go to the same well. Gary Clark. Ooh. Oh, Ooh. against the Bills. That would have had to have been. There are a couple other uh, D.C. guys out there. I can't even remember who played in the Am I going to be out first here? Because if I am, that's going to be awfully embarrassing. You know what? Oh, I know. I Of course. Yeah, the the other MVP. I was wondering if he – it's uh, another black and gold wide receiver, Super Bowl MVP, XL, 86, Heinz Ward. Definite. He caught a long pass from Randall L and caught uh, a desperation heave by seven at the goal line. Deion Branch. 
Super Bowl uh, yeah. MVP. Super Bowl MVP. True, true. Wes, Man, we're doing quite well collectively. I'm I think we deep, deserve I'm a deep. I'm starting. I'm, I'm, I'm in the I'm guessing. Digging, I'm digging deep. <laughs> I'm in the guessing portion, portion of the program now. Tory Holt? That makes sense. All right, I'm gonna go. That's a that's a good one. Um, then uh, I'm gonna go Isaac Bruce. He caught uh, what was that one? Like a 75 yarder? 80 yeah. yard, just that's almost like cheating. <laughs> yeah, that. If you guys finish this, list, I'm gonna be like, very impressed. That's almost like. How many more do we have to go here? You got you got a while to go. This might take forever, but right. go it's, ahead. It's I've got one. I think is right in the the back of my head here. Gosh, I'm almost tapped out. Uh and giant Super Bowl. How about Antonio Freeman? Ha! Ooh. Well done. Well done yeah, I'm digging. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Dwight Clark. What's that, Black Tie? Black Tie's talking in my... Oh, Freeman did it twice. So he did it in back-to-back games. Chris Wesley. Uh, what? <laughs> you, you ran the buzzer on him. I don't know, but Bucky Brooks had about uh, seven minutes to come up with it. No, no, I said Dwight Clark. No, he said Dwight Clark. Yeah. Dwight oh, Clark I didn't hear you say Dwight Clark. Yes. Dwight Clark. Yes. He's not on yeah, the list. That's personal. All right. I'm going to go. So now it's just between Bucky and Shaq. <sighs> I have two that I'm thinking about here. This might be a little early. I should be able to come up with someone else, and it's embarrassing if there's a stealer out there that I'm missing. That would really humiliate me. I'm going to go with here. From Super Bowl 16, Dan Ross. Don't think so. Yeah! <laughs> he had a bit. Uh, Kenny Anderson like drove him late. It. Yeah, Kenny Anderson drove him late and uh, kept peppering uh, the ball to him right at the end of the game there. Nice. Damashek does it again. How about John Taylor? It's a good guess. He had two touchdowns. I don't think he had 100 yards. Come on now. Throw that buzzer. Uh, yeah! Damashek. Hey, how about Eddie Brown? Damashek went. Round I just want to see if Eddie Brown from Cincinnati. I don't know. think he did. Did Boyd Dowler? Chris Matthews, come on, guys. Happened two oh, Super yeah. Bowls Who? ago. Chris, Chris Matthews. Matthews. I was thinking about him, but he I had couldn't. He yards? I, yeah, in the first half. Yeah. I'm not mistaken. Oh, you know who's another good one? What about Gronk? Gronk, I don't think Ooh. he's. Vernon, he Vernon Davis is, is, a, is. Julian Edelman? Yes. Yeah. How about Chris Collinsworth? Chris Collinsworth, yes. That was my other one. Good. I would have stayed alive because Collinsworth would have been my next one. How about Drew Pearson? Or Tony uh, Hill. Nope, nope. Jay Novacek. How about Boyd Dowler? Boyd Dowler. Nope. Mm. Boyd Dowler's a good one from two. Those Cowboys Super Bowls were never close. You guys missed Michael Crabtree, John Henderson. Akeem John Hicks. Henderson. Wait, read it again. Jaguars defensive Sully. tackle? No, no, not, not a Tennessee Vols. Read them out loud. Who'd we miss? Okay, uh, Rod Smith. I don't think you got Rod Smith, 99. Uh, George Sauer. AFL days. Mm. Jets. Willie Galt. Go Vols. 86. Willie Galt went for over 100 yeah, in that yeah, game. Yeah, he did. Larry Fitz. We uh, got Fitz. We, we got, got Fitz. Okay, you got Fitz. Vance Johnson. Oh. Broncos. Uh, Demarius Thomas. Hmm. That, that, oh, yeah, he had a good uh, – in uh, 48. Bad he, job, he, remember, he, I think he ended up with the most catches in a Super Bowl. Julian Edelman, yeah, he did have it. Uh, we already said that. Hakeem Nix. 
Uh, Vernon Davis, like we said. Anquan Bolden. Ah, uh, Rod Smith caught a, a deep ball in uh, Roger LA's Craig. second Super Bowl win. Roger Craig, Wes Walker. Yep. Wow. Roger yep. Craig, huh? Yep. Pass catchers. Yeah, he had a good one in, I guess, Super Bowl 19. He uh, He's he the only it. running back. Um, is that uh, Yeah, right. Did And Dan Ross, then, is the only tight end. Uh, Vernon, Vernon Davis, too. Vernon Davis and Dan Ross. Yep. Oh, I miss Vernon Davis's uh, shout out there. All right, let's move on here. We just talked about pass catchers and post-draft and more or less post-free agency, although it continues to roll here. Now, now let's uh, let's talk about best and worst <laughs> position groups. This is something that we, we will do going forward over the next uh, month or so here on the DDFP. And we'll start out with it is a quarterback league, so let's start out with quarterback Who's got the best position group right now, Bucky Brooks? This is, I, I think, let me say in advance, I think worst position group is going to be much more satisfying, and I think every other position group is going to be more fun because what you're really talking about when you say best quarterback group is who has the best QB because uh, the back, uh, it, uh, talk- it's murky because are you going to say Aaron Rodgers if he's the best quarterback, but then Brett Hundley is his backup, so do you like that? More than you like Andy Dalton and A.J. McCarron. As a for instance. I'm sorry. I don't want to take your answer, that, Bucky. That would kind of be close uh, because the depth from top to bottom, that would be a good one. Uh, let's see. <sighs> That's a tough one. Best one. I We can just skip this almost because uh, I it, it, it's – I mean, all of this is subjective, of course, but like I say, it depends on what you like. Do you like – I mean, Roethlisberger – Landry Jones, Bruce Gradkowski. I mean, that you know, that's not bad. That's three guys who you could play. That would be. Are fine. we doing purely quarterbacks here? Right now, we're just doing uh, QB. That's a tough one. Hmm. I go whichever team has Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. So, all right, let's skip the best QB. Brad Hundley led the preseason in passer rating for whatever that's worth. I kind of like that as a duo, and I can't think of who their third is. So, let's move on. To and uh, we'll talk right now at going into 2016, worst quarterback group because people are bet <laughs> Dan Hanzus of uh, around the NFL is wringing his hands about the Jets situation there. Why? Although Bucky and Wes seem to think Fitzpatrick's <laughs> going to join it soon, so you that could, will you could do what Fitzpatrick did. Wow. I agree with that. I think this this enthusiasm that Jets fans I mean, have, I, and I, I just think it, I think it's so funny that they're so nostalgic and so broken up about Ryan Fitzpatrick. If we went back and rewound the clock, were they that excited about Ryan Fitzpatrick headed into the season? If I, I hear one more time that he had the best quarterback season in Jets history, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> I mean, because he's throwing to Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker, and everyone throws for four thousand five hundred <laughs> yards these days. You can't compare it to like. Even Everybody. what Vinny Testaverde did 15 years ago or anything Namath did. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just funny that he is the anointed guy. Like, oh, we have to have Fitzpatrick. And Boy, then, he's going to derail our chances then, at, a, at a Super Bowl run. We better get uh, we better get that bearded guy back in here. He is what he is. He showed yeah. you exactly what he was. The last game of the year with the playoff game on the line, he threw three picks. The, Never, I, the other 31 teams have shown us who he is, too, because they're, right. they're not no, going after no, him. No one – Right. Excited about. Nevertheless, people do want him back in there, and you guys both said at the top of the show you think he moves, he does go back to because I to think the, he comes back with his so who his so who do they kick to the curb then? Bryce Petty. Bryce Petty. One year in, I love the way that guy throws hmm. the football. He well, looks like a NFL passer to me. Ma- no, McCagnet drafted Petty. He 
he inherited Geno Smith. He did, but I think I think the situation is if you feel like your team has an opportunity to really make the playoffs. Geno Smith was leading that quarterback derby heading into the year before he took the fatal punch to the jaw. And so if I remove Geno Smith from that, that means I have to lean on either Christian Hackenberg or Bryce Petty if Ryan Fitzpatrick goes down. And remember, Ryan Fitzpatrick got hurt last year. He ended up having – didn't he have a procedure so he could come back and play? He didn't miss it's a It's like week. his left hand. Yeah. And so Geno had to do – so if you're saying that you're confident enough that you're going to go into the season with Hackenberg and Petty as your two and three, I just don't think a rational coach or front office would say – this is what I feel good about. I think it's more about Bryce Petty being the guy that is the last one out and Hackenberg now becomes the developmental quarterback. That's fair, dog. I, you know, I said on the last show with Charles Davis and like most other people, he sort of scoffed at my stance on this. I don't use the advanced metrics. I don't – what he did at the combine is not my concern. I The eyeballs serve Damashek well when it comes to quarterbacks. All right, I swung and missed on Ryan Mallett last year. But oh! I'm, not, I'm not responsible for what hey. they do off the field. I can't. I I, I can't keep I track of these guys. I got my sandwich yet. Yeah, that's true. I do owe Wes a sandwich for that. But but I, I, Mallett, the last two games in Baltimore. Thank you, Bucky. And you know who else I like? I like Christian Hackenberg. Why don't why I I, I understand the inaccuracy issues, but because as Wes says, that's Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker they do a nice the, job of covering that. They up. expand the strike zone. The only problem with Hack, and I and I'm a Hackenberg fan, and I think he can be the right quarterback for them in time. Man, when your completion percentage is always in the mid fifties level, it is just accuracy is something that typically doesn't improve when you get to the pros because you're dealing with faster defenders, tighter windows, and you're dealing with a faster pass rush. For him to succeed in New York, it's going to have to be a system that's tailored to what he does very, very well. He does have guys who expand the strike zone in Decker and Marshall, and you have a quarterback-friendly running back in Matt Forte who is really good out the backfield. He can succeed, but I won't think that he'll be ready as a rookie to be able to do that. Maybe in year two he can handle some of those responsibilities. That's why I think you have to have Geno Smith on, on board. I think the kid's been through a lot, so mentally and emotionally. I mean, there's a lot, but but remember the the pressure because already in New York they're talking about him being the guy. That New York media, the pressure, being in the fire, having to deal with all those things. Can you can he handle that stuff right away while still trying to fix his footwork and his game? Um, I had a chance to watch the Gruden the John Gruden telecast where they talked about the quarterback camp. And I thought it was very revealing in terms of what he was able to do as a freshman and how they changed his footwork and messed up his mechanics. I think it takes a while, much like when a golf golfer goes to a golf pro and he kind of revamps his swing. I think it'll take a while for Hackenberg to find his groove. But if they're patient, they can reap huge benefits off of it. So, Wes, whether it's Fitzpatrick, I think that'll shake things up a little bit. But I think we agree that uh, – Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't uh, finishing with a gold jacket either way, so maybe we keep the Jets in this group even if they do have uh, Fitzpatrick in there. Who's your least favorite quarterback group going into the season right now? I have to go Browns. I think they've sent a clear signal that they're not competing this year. They're building. Because if they were competing, they would have tried to get a quarterback who could stay healthy for more than three games, and I don't see one on that roster. What do you think about the Cody Kessler pick there? I feel like, again, another example of when they signed RG3 and he was in love with him and everything else, I declared it hubris. I declare Cody Kessler when no one else had this guy on their radar 
but but Hugh Jackson has fallen in love with it. More hubris in my book. How say you, Buck? Well, yes, yeah, definitely a Hugh Jackson pick. He even said as much at the press conference. What I am hopeful and confident on, I know Hugh's track record. From all the quarterbacks that he's dealt with, he's found a way to really help those guys have success. Jason Campbell in Oakland, uh, dealing with some of the other quarterbacks that he's had throughout his time, he understands how to put them in a situation where they can succeed. The RG3 thing is different because RG3's um, lack of durability is a concern. However, when you think about what he was able to do with Andy Dalton and A.J. McCarron, kind of build systems for them, to thrive, I think he's going to put RG3 in a spread system that is going to be very similar to what he did at Baylor, and I think he'll have success. The deal with Cody Kessler, he has all the intangibles that you look for. He's a winning guy. He's a guy's guy. He has the leadership stuff. Um, he's going to have to learn how to throw with touching, timing, and anticipation. I have to if interrupt. If it wasn't – Cody Kessler's a guy's guy? Yeah. What does that mean? It means that guys in the locker room would gravitate to him because he doesn't have some of the ego – statistical cockiness that some quarterbacks walk into the locker room with. He's a guy that they kind of galvanize around, they kind of play for, and that he'll be fine. If you look at his history at USC, he was never supposed to be the starting quarterback. All the guys that they trotted in, Max Wittick, Max Brown, all of those guys were highly decorated, um, had more stars than Cody Kessler, but he found a way to get a job, and he found a way to win a lot of games. And so, You know who's got that? Kirk Cousins is such a – I mean, that – and sometimes that enthusiasm and, and uh, compliment, I mean, really, like uh, on a human level, as I always say, I wouldn't want uh, to play with Dan Marino or Peyton Manning, who yells at me for messing up. I, I, I would need someone like Kirk. I'm like, you're the best, man. We can't win without you. Thanks for me. I, I love that kind of thing. I would respond to. I kind of I, th- I think I think that's a really good example about Kirk Cousins, what Jay Gruden was able to do for Kirk Cousins, regardless of whether you believe Kirk Cousins is a franchise quarterback. He played really well in that system. It was a lot of dink and dunks. The ball came out fast, but. That's today's football. Tom Brady operates in a system that's similar to that. With Cody Kessler, I think you can put some of those things in play. The only issue that I have, if it wasn't in an AFC North division where you deal with implement, you have to deal with inclement conditions and stuff like that, I worry about it because just the arm strength kind of troubles me a little bit. And last thing, our Cerberus Award, uh, someone behind the glass, I'm not sure who it was, maybe it was Sully, declared it because it's a three-headed dog we're talking about here. Who's the three-headed dog at quarterback in the NFL? Cerberus is the mythical beast with three heads. And uh, so do we give it to the Jets, the Browns, or the Broncos? And, in fact, Hit, a, hit me up uh, at uh, DDFP. Use the hashtag DDFP. Let us know. We did it about a year ago, the worst uh, quarterback groups in NFL history. It's a lot of fun. 98, the Giants had Kent Graham, Danny Cannell, and Mike Cherry? I don't even know who might remember Mike Cherry. Mike Cherry, did he play at Rutgers? 02, the Cleveland Browns had Tim Couch, Doug Peterson, and Spurgeon win. It's fun to, to – suss out the worst ever but the 2016 Cerberus award goes to who in your book Chris Wessling the you're going Browns you said but no, what about the Broncos with what they oh I thought you're talking about historically no I yeah well let's uh, yeah the Broncos we've been over this and I guess we'll see with Sanchez and Paxton Lynch but Bucky and Wes you know who I see in the pro comp with uh with Paxton Lynch poor man's Colin Kaepernick fair I mean, I think that's fair. I think it's interesting that he compared himself to Cam Newton. Said that that's the guy that he modeled his game after. That's how he would like to play, to run a little bit, throw a little bit. He likes celebrating, like being enthusiastic. I just wonder if he'll take some of the uh, incoming 
if he's as enthusiastic. I think he's all fastballs. He's all fastballs like Colin Kaepernick and Dave Damashek. That's why I'm not in the NFL. <laughs> like they, they can't teach me touch, no matter what the coaches have tried. I just It's all 110 miles an hour for, for Damashek. All fastballs. And that's the same thing with Paxton Lynch, but not as good as Colin Kaepernick, sorry to say. Wes, what I do you think? Browns. Browns are, are the Cerberus Award winner. Who's the worst QB group in 2016? Buck. Mm. If you want to go off the table here, I got Jets, Browns, Broncos. I'm going to say the Houston Texans. I would be more worried about. Oh, really? I like it. I like it. Okay. Osweiler. 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 Brandon Whedon. And who else? You called Peyton Manning the worst quarterback in the NFL last year. Who played for any Brock Osweiler got benched for him. Oh, Tom Savage. <laughs> well, that was crazy. That was yeah, a... I got in my ear that it's Tom, Tom Savage. Osweiler, right, yeah. Brandon exist. Whedon, and Tom Savage. Like, think about that. All right. That's a, that's, listen, I like that. That's legit. And yet, I dare say that they're going to win the division again. Boy, that division is, is fast. But it's made, it's made for them yeah. to win because the, the offensive improvements, I give credit to Rick Smith and Bill O'Brien for really loading up on the perimeter, putting fast guys there. If Brock Osweiler fails in that offense – it's on him. As we wrap it, yeah, it's a, well, 100%. Wes, as we wrap it up here, give me uh, your worst uh, quarterback group in NFL history. The one that you forgot about, 2004 San Francisco 49ers with Tim Rattay, <laughs> Ken Dorsey, <laughs> and Cody Pickett. They go 2-14, and 14, get the number one overall pick, and draft Alex Smith Boy, over Aaron Rodgers. Gino Toretta and uh, Carmazzi. That they oh, drafted Marzen, in front of yeah. Tom Brady. Yeah, that was uh, some dark stuff. You got to go 07 Chiefs, though. Damon Heward, Brody Croyle, and Tyler Thigpen. <laughs> the Brody Croyle, the hard knocks KC Chiefs thing. When Brody Croyle is battling it out with, uh, who was hard it? Hard Damon Heward. With Damon Heward, the oh, back yeah. and forth. Like, who's going to get the gig here? I mean, it, it, it's just sad to watch, especially in hindsight. At the time, you felt like, is that really this as good as it gets? But, but but out of that year, we were introduced to the pistol offense, Chan Gailey. That's true. Mm-hmm. Tyler Thigpen. All right. Great stuff. Chris Wessling and Bucky Brooks. Less contentious this time, which I appreciate, Wes. I owe you at least like two or three sandwiches. In the meantime, make sure you check out the great uh, Around the NFL podcast with the fellas. And Wes, always doing gangbusters work at NFL.com as well on Around the NFL. Bucky and his fancy friend, Daniel Jeremiah, are taking a month away. (laughs) Oh, the draft took it out of us. We need to rest. Only a month? Can you imagine what prima donnas we have to work with? Bucky Brooks, though, always doing great work at uh, NFL.com. Great conversation. A lot of buzz in the industry about Bucky Brooks all of a sudden. Oh, look how – All of a sudden, there should be buzz about Rising star in the the world of pro football media. All right, we'll be back. Oh, I thought you went like – I thought you were upset with me for saying that. No, I can appreciate that. I like kudos. I know. (laughs) Yeah, and now now you're shutting it down for a month. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back with more Huey and Applesauce later on. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. Been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 